Good morning, Rockbridge. Uh, as David said, I'm Anthony McKnight, and I've had the great honor of being your Praxis intern for the last 10 weeks. Last week, we left uh, Moses as an infant newly adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. This week, we'll go into two defining moments that made Moses the great liberator that he's called today. For a lot of us, our defining moments are both good and bad. For me, the good defining moment was uh, in Iona, which is an island in Scotland, where Celtic Christianity started in the United Kingdom. And that was where I heard my call to ministry and the reason I'm up here today. And some of those defining moments are bad, like my frustration with the recovery from my hand. Um, I have what they call Harry Amos disease, which is a separation of the spinal cord from the spinal column, which makes my right hand not work properly. And for me, I've always seen people that are in recovery from injuries and think, oh, it'll be fast and it'll be instant, and find myself getting frustrated with not being able to see the results because they're so gradual. For Moses, uh, we see that he goes from the worst possible moment in his life to freeing his people. These good and bad moments can define us if we let them, or we can give them to God and let him define the moments. Moses went from murder to marriage to one of the most popular stories in the Bible, which is the burning bush. In Exodus 2, verses 11 through 15, it says, One day after Moses had become an adult, he went among his people and he saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. He looked around to make sure no one else was there. Then he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When Moses went out the next day, he saw two Hebrew men fighting with each other. Moses said to the one who had started the fight, Why are you abusing your fellow Hebrew? He replied, Who made you a boss or judge over us? Are you planning to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid when he realized they obviously know what I did. When Pharaoh heard about it, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses ran away from Pharaoh and settled down in the land of Midian. One day Moses was sitting by a well. And at that well is where Moses' life kind of catches up with him. Moses was probably made fun of as a child because of what his name meant. In Egyptian, the word Mos means son of and was usually paired with a prefix that was normally the name of Egyptian god. Like the pharaoh Ramses was the son of Ra. But this omittance of a prefix would usually mean that he was the son of nobody. And so a child growing up in the royal family and getting all the educational opportunities that he did Oh, would have more than likely had people making fun of him because he did not belong to this family that he called his own. During this time, he would find out that he was adopted, 
and then find out that the Hebrew people that were their slaves were his people by birth. And so he sees this injustice that's going on and kills an Egyptian worker to protect his people. When he comes to the well, there are seven daughters of a Midian priest that are at the well getting water for their flock. And some other shepherds are harassing them, so Moses and his cause of wanting to stop injustice steps in and rescues these women and then helps them uh, draw water for their flock. When the women return to their father uh, and tell him why they got back earlier than they had originally planned, he says, bring this man that rescued you to me. And then he ends up giving one of his daughters to Moses as a wife. Many years passed, and Moses is out with the flock of his father-in-law, and that's where we catch up in uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert, and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it didn't burn up. Then Moses said to himself, Let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush isn't burning up. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I'm here. Then the Lord said, Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals, because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and broad land, a land that's full of milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites all live. Now the Israelites' cries of injustice have reached me. I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them. So get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard a voice coming out of a burning bush that wasn't actually burning up, I'd be trying to figure out what was in the water I just drank. <laughs> because it just wasn't normal. Moses had probably taken this route hundreds of times in the years that have passed that he was guiding this flock. But in God's timing, he changed Moses' life forever. Now, in, in this in-between time, Moses has probably fallen away from God. In fact, he may not have even known who God was because it was a different God that the Egyptians taught him to worship than the, ones, than the one that the Hebrew people had worshipped. And so he probably didn't trust that God would deliver his people 
out of Egypt and probably ask the same questions that we ask today is, why are my people being tortured, beaten as slaves, and you are standing there doing nothing? But Moses, uh, but God tells Moses, he goes, I am doing something. I'm sending you to free them. And Moses, with his history with the royal family, is terrified. And God says something that he says hundreds of times in the Bible, and he tells us every day. And he says, don't be afraid. I am with you. Those few words are the most comforting words that can be told to anybody when they're stressed. And I can only imagine how stressed Moses was. He was probably thinking, I'm so stressed that I'm hallucinating a burning bush that is talking to me. And he's probably thinking, how am I going to explain this when I get home? And there's a song by Matthew West called Do Something. And right before the chorus, it says this. People living in poverty, children sold into slavery, the thought disgusted me. So I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? And he said, I did. I created you. Just like Moses were created for a specific purpose, it may not be freeing thousands of people from an oppressed situation, but it could be bringing one person to Christ. We may not get called in this major burning bush moment, but it may be these smaller callings that nudge us to where we need to go. We all have that moment where we finally realize what God has called us to do. Now when Moses comes to this burning bush and God says, Remove your, sand, remove your sandals for you are on holy ground. That seems like a weird request, being that he's out in the middle of the desert. And the sand is probably really hot. And so to remove the sandals would be to remove the only form of protection against the hot sand. But in, the, in this time, it was out of respect that you would remove Your footwear, either in the presence of the Pharaoh or in a place of worship. And we have some of those same traditions today with removing hats when we're entering a place of worship or when we're praying. The other big thing in this story is fire. It's used many times throughout the Bible. And even many times through the Exodus story. We see it in Genesis where God appears to Abraham as a fiery flame. In Exodus 13, God leads the Israelites to the promised land as a pillar of fire. Exodus 24, the presence of God looks like a blazing fire on top of the mountain. In Daniel 7, God sat on a throne ablaze with flames. In Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples, it is described as flames of fire. In Hebrews 12, God is described as a consuming fire. And the amazing thing about fire is that it spreads. Because as David said last week, 
It takes one spark to get a fire going. In this case, it's Moses that is that one spark to create this mass exodus out of Egypt. For you, the one spark may be helping a coworker that's going through a hard time. Or helping somebody on the side of the road when you see them with a flat tire and it just doesn't look like they know what they're doing. Maybe the small things, but the small things make the biggest light. It takes one spark to take somebody from the darkest moments of their life to bring them into the light. Now, one of my favorite movies is Deadpool. <laughs> and the towering theologian Colossus in this movie tells Deadpool, and here's the quote, four or five moments, that's all it takes to be a hero. Everyone thinks it's a full-time job. Wake up a hero, brush your teeth a hero, go to work a hero. But that's not true. Over a lifetime, there are only four or five moments that really matter. Moments when you're offered a choice. To make a sacrifice, conquer a flaw, save a friend, spare an enemy. In these moments, everything else falls away. That last few words, the everything else falls away, seems to stick out more than anything. Because if we're with God and truly focused on his purpose, everything else doesn't matter. Everything else falls away and we're focused on what he wants us to do. I want to leave you with this. What are you going to be defined by? You're going to be defined by the good and the bad or are you going to let God define the moments? Moses could have let being the son of nobody define him. He could have let the murder that he committed in, in Egypt define him for the rest of his life. And he could have let failure define him. In the Egyptian way of living, the royal family was at the top and shepherds were at the bottom. And so to see this transition from the highest place of authority to the lowest of the low, and to see God use him for the most amazing thing and the most amazing purpose is what we're here for. If God would have said when Moses keeps telling him, I do not want to go to Pharaoh because I know him, and I know that this is a different Pharaoh, but he's probably still going to try to kill me if I walk into that place. If God would have said, you know what, maybe I got the wrong person. And just left it at that, we wouldn't be talking about the great liberator today. We wouldn't have seen thousands of people removed from the Egyptian rule to be brought to the promised land. We all have these burning bush moments. What are you going to be defined by? Amen.